Are you an athlete who would like to maximize your performance to succeed at the top level? Head on over to my website at jacobandre.com and book a free 15-minute discovery call to discover if and how I can help you. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I'm your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to St. Mary's women's coach, Ryan Smith. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for having me. What did we interrupt in your day this morning? Uh, this morning, um, stopping the kids in the morning while the wife gets a little sleep in, then off to work to check up on the staff, uh, give you a little bit of a podcast, and then head off to basketball, then to footy. So, yeah, a bit on today. You mentioned check on the staff. What's the, what's the business? Uh, we run an electrical solutions company. Uh, it's got about 13 staff. Um, do various work in defence, um, power and water, and general infrastructure around Darwin and Catherine. Yeah, cool. Like it? Love it? Oh, it's growing on me. Um, I don't know. There's other things that I'd probably love to be doing that I'll probably aspire to look at later on in life. But at this point, it's, uh, it pays the bills and um, it's progressing. The business has grown a lot in four years, going from this one-man band to now 13 staff. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going all right. So it gives me something to aim for each day. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that you're going to your daughter's basketball. How's that all going for her? Uh, she's uh, she's an anxious kid, so she's still building her confidence in sports. Um, it takes her a little bit of time. But last night we had a little chat, and she said, "Dad, I just want to aim on uh, getting five dribbles." So we're just keeping it really simple at the moment, and. Just trying to not put too much pressure on her to just try and find a way to enjoy the sport. I like it. I love that. And I actually think you could take that philosophy that she's got there, that or that approach, into even adult sport. That's I like that she's broken it down, nice small little goals that she can control. Yeah, it was cute for her to say that she just wants to get the five dribbles, and she looked at me and thought, "That's my goal." So. Yeah, I just supported her, supported her with that and said we can just do it from there, maybe try and just tap the ball out of someone's hand, like obviously not try and put too much challenge on her. And you mentioned off to the footy later, you're coaching St Mary's. This is going to come out in a future in a in a, a week after this episode, in a week after that game. But who do you play today? Uh, we play in Southern District, um, out at Norfield Oval, which is a tough oval. Uh, the weather and conditions a little bit more humid than normal um, and they're a, they're a tough opposition most of the time so yeah it shouldn't be an easy game but it should be exciting yeah so before we get into your coaching career let's learn more about you so tell me about the Ryan Smith story where did it all begin Uh, where did it all begin in my life or in footy? Just in your life, yeah, sport? yeah, in, in life. Um, so I'm a born and, born and raised Darwin man. Um, yeah, my parents, uh, were also born and raised in Darwin. Um, no, actually my mum was born in Adelaide River and my father was born in Brisbane, sorry. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, pretty, Grateful upbringing, um, tough in the early years. My mum was single parent early on. Um, so I was surrounded by my six aunties. So I have a lot of respect for women. Um, yeah, a lot of my aunties are all successful in their own way. 
and they all nurtured me to, you know, to be respectful. And um, then, fortunately, I had a strong uh, stepfather for a few years, and that really stabilised me to become the man and build the foundations that I follow. Um, was tough at times. Obviously, you want to feel like as a kid, you want to run amok a little bit, but he always kept me in line. Um, but I guess that made me more resilient because when things get hard, you just sort of feel like you know you can get through them. Um, but yeah, 36 years later, here we are, three kids, uh, married and running the business. So yeah, I've been with my partner since I was 20, so 16 year relationship. Um, so yeah, I'm just all about stability and just trying to build a purpose in life. Um, said I'd have kids before I was 30, I was 29 when we had my first order. So normally if I'm like focused on something, that's just what I do. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a common phrase that I, I don't know if I made it up myself or me and a close friend of mine made up, but, um, one of my nicknames is Thor. It's got a different meaning for it, but I, rephrased it to um, if you want something done you go to the source so yeah. just, um, I don't know if I don't know how to do something I'll find a way to get it done whether I'll find someone who does and they'll pass the knowledge on but yeah I don't know so that's just me in a nutshell just a just a man trying to get things done I like it it sounds like a pretty successful life thus far um, so what schools did you go to in Darwin growing up uh, so I was raised in the Bronx, um, lived in Malak, went to Malak Primary, then uh, wandered down the road to Sanderson, um, and through that time period, um, Malak was a nice suburb to live in, but a lot of housing commission, um, and also being right next door to Karama, and during those time periods, Karama was yeah, uh, not the greatest suburb around town. Um, so yeah, that was a tough upbringing to do with... Um, society and school at those times, but got through it. And then, yeah, to wander down to Sanderson where we were in the, in the news every week uh, for whatever stuff was going on that I never saw, but um, it was apparently happening. So, yeah, to be surrounded by that stuff and still get through, complete year 12 and go off to complete my trade, um, I don't know, I just... I don't know. Just all, I think it's just all about resilience and how you deal with um, different situations. So to be surrounded by that and not be influenced by it um, meant that I was either hanging around the right people or I was just making good decisions to not be involved in what was going on. Yeah, well, actually, as a young, from when I was born, grew up in Karama. Then we moved out to Howard Springs. Dad built a house out there and then moved back into Malak, which is obviously, as you know, across the road from your house that you're referring to, which now Surarioli lives in. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't see a lot of that stuff either. Actually, my first day of school, I remember walking down the, the park from home up near where both the houses were through to Sanderson, um, around the, along the back, the back of uh, Malak there. And um, this boy, my first day of grade eight, first day of high school says to me, give me your lunch money. And I was like, Dude, this is not America. <laughs> what are you talking? I had no lunch money. I had my little sandwich packed, <laughs> and he didn't say nothing. I was like, I got no money, and just kept walking. Well, that's yeah. well, yeah. I think that's what makes you resilient. Like I often, when you get certain humbug people asking you for money, I just like, just, I don't know, just calmly without feeling too much guilt, sort of say, Hey, mate, like 
I really don't have anything on me at the moment, just to like walk away, whereas some people don't know how to handle that. Um, whether or not that was from the same situation as what you're referring to, that you just sort of grow to deal with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I remember walking home on that Malak Oval and the kid that I thought I was friends with at school, uh, who lived at Malak Caravan Park at the time, just decided that it'd be a good time to have a fight. Um, so he just pulled up and just shaped up and I sort of didn't know what to do. Um, I wasn't the fighting type of kid. Uh, but I used to watch a lot of wrestling, so I did a little wrestling move. It was enough for me to get out and I quickly ran home from school. So, um, it's just resilience. I'm telling you, yeah, just handle the situation and get out of there as soon as you can. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's funny. Uh, there's plenty, st- I'm sure we could share plenty of stories like this. Um, but so, from there, maybe this is why you end up playing footy. So how did you end up at St. Mary's? Uh, I was a uh, very rugby union. That's where my um, birth father, he coached his rugby union. He went off to, um, when he met my mother, uh, he went off to France and stayed there for a few years. Um, so I played a lot of union for Kazarina Cougars till I was about 15. So started at six and played for 15. Um, and then just basketball, typical territory style, playing multiple sports. Uh, a bit of cricket, but a bit boring. And mum hated watching the grass go, she'd say, so she stopped investing in me for cricket. Um, and then one day, reaching Sanderson, I had a couple of really close mates that said, mate, why are you playing rugby? That's, that's for these type of guys. Um, so they said, come play a game of the Rules. Uh, they just fought, they unfortunately lived at Palmerston, so I would have to go from Malak to Palmerston for training. Um, but fortunately, the Toy family used to drive a bus through Casarina, Sanderson, Camilla College, um, and they would come and pick us up. So I got to meet all the TV Islander kids, um, when we would pick them up from Camilla, because that back then used to be a strong boarding house. Um, so yeah, that's, just purely peer pressure got me into playing Aussie rules. Um, probably the first four to five years, I was terrible at it. Um, couldn't kick, used to kick with the inside of my foot like a soccer player. Um, just all these habits of rugby union style kicking. Um, so that's how I got in the game, really, just through peer pressure. But I was always a sports fanatic. Um, friends would want to come over and play video games, but I'd want to go outside and play one-on-one rugby or something, you know, um, or the only person I used to know back then was Gary Ablett Senior, so we'd kick the ball in the air and say, Ablett. Um, so, yeah, that's, I just used to love sports. Yeah, I picked any sport up pretty quickly. I just love sports, yeah. So have you only ever played with St Mary's or has there been other clubs there as well? Well, I started my juniors with Palmerston and then... Uh, that was under 14s, and then when I got to under 18, the two friends who got me to play Aussie Rules stopped playing. Um, so I was like, why am I still driving from Malak to Palmerston for the two people that um, aren't even here? So I had another friend, Aidan Hill, who was at um, St Mary's at the time. So him and I were going to school, so I said, I'll, I'll just come to St Mary's and join with you. So um, I've noticed that when I coach, uh, that players normally want a purpose, so as much as they might love their club, if there's no purpose or there's no connection, they'll probably look for a trade. Um, so I've seen that through the junior grades and now senior grades. 
Um, but yeah, as much as you would like to build loyalty towards the club, if there's no purpose or there's no connection, then people are going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up at St Mary's, and then they um, saw value in me as a six foot five, nineteen year old kid who couldn't kick, but um, they worked really hard to teach me how to kick, and yeah, the rest was history. So how old were you when you first played your A grade? Um, when you made your A grade debut? Uh, so I was 19. It was uh, roughing against Darrell White. Um, that was back in the era where St Mary's were going for three in a row. Um, Brendan Christensen was the coach. Um, it was a pretty all-star lineup. Surreoli Jr. was a young star playing as a 16, 17-year-old, um, about to get drafted. Yeah, the lineup on there, as you probably know, we had the Valados and Anstead and uh, we had uh, Scotty Chisholm, Donald Popper too, like there's some ex-AFL players all lining up next to us. Um, there's a number of other Rioli boys, the, um, Randall Rioli, who's my brother-in-law, um, his brothers, I don't know. But the lineup was crazy and I was just um, overwhelmed with just joy just to be involved. Um, and the first game, they said round one, you can you can have a game, and I rocked up against Darrell White. And I remember during the game, Darrell White come over and said, "Go easy on me, young fella." <laughs> um, yet he was obviously super athletic. He literally just come out of AFL. He every time he jumped in the ruck, he was almost hitting the crowd. Um, we ended up winning that game, and I was I, I didn't star or anything, but I played okay for a young ruck. And I just remember shaking hands and then Dale said, good game, mate. And then, uh, yeah, that sort of like motivated me to want to get better just from those subtle comments. And that was from an opposition, to be honest. Yeah. Are you an Aussie rules footballer who would like to maximise your performance to succeed at the top level? My Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program is a 12-phase program that has been curated from my 15-plus years working as a strength and conditioning coach with local footballers right through to AFLW players at Adelaide and Richmond. To get instant access to my Australian Rules Football Dynamic Group Coaching Program, simply head on over to jacobandre.com forward slash Australian dash rules dash football. Yeah, that's super inspiring. So what do you think is the biggest thing? So so in the last episode, we had Ricky Nolan, obviously was a, a coach, at, uh, sorry, a, a ruck at St. Mary's and then um, coach St. Mary's. What do you think the biggest thing that a, a young ruckman needs to know coming through what 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 would you pass on in terms of knowledge well that first year of mine was um ricky had a strong season but it was also one of the seasons that the uh, club was obviously looking it seemed to be um i didn't notice much but looking back at it i can look at it um they seemed to be transitioning him out because he was older um, but he was still playing quite well, so he was one of my mentors in my early days. Um, but for a young ruck, for me, it, it's just about time and patience. Um, there's a lot of common phrases from AFL level down to local level that say that a true ruckman doesn't find their form until in late 20s. Um, and my performance will, yeah, in my history out of 200 games would show that. Um, I didn't start to reach understanding and peak performance until like my mid-20s, 24. 
and then as I got older, I just became wiser, and I didn't have to be as as athletic to still perform at the level I needed to um, to fulfil the ruck role. Um, so, yeah, I stick by that 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 information that I was given. Um, if you're 18 through to 22, unless you're just a natural talent and things are going your way and you just really understand the game, um, I think you just need to be patient. Your body's still changing. Like I used to be a real skinny kid between 95 to 100 kilos. Um, used to go to the gym with Johnny and watch his biceps pop, what mine never did. Um, so I, I think the set bodies take a little bit longer to develop. Um, so yeah, just patience and resilience, to be honest. It's a hard role to play, very demanding at times. Um, and yeah, you, you just got to adjust. The role is quite um, tricky and you've got to be creative. So yeah, you're not going to know it overnight unless you're just a freak, basically. Yeah, so you mentioned Ricky Nolan and, you know, you transitioning into the role from him as the coach, uh, as the, um, the Ruckman. He then later became coach. What coaches did you play under at St. Mary's, including Marty Christensen, your first one? Um, so, my, so Brendan Christensen was the first year and the second year he left. So then Warren Campbell came in. That was a tough year. Um, we had a few turnover of players and Warren was a young coach. Um, we still made finals, but um, yeah, he he had some tough comments for me. Um, I had one bad game, and uh, there might have been a phrase of the worst ruckman he's ever seen. So that was comments from a coach to a young 20-year-old developing player who'd only started playing at 14. Um, but that these are the things that, for me and my character, I took on board, and I was like, you know what, that's. Like, I could have got upset and quit the game, but I used it as motivation to want to get better. Um, so I used to try and absorb everything around me, people, information, sometimes too much, got a little bit of overload at times, but um, I just kept working through it. Um, so after Warren, the club um, was lucky to recruit a coach called Brett Hamp, and he just brought in this new, calm, um, experienced energy and got the club back where they needed and ended up coaching a grand final and they went on to win another grand final next year, back to back. Um, I then had, nah, he was a great, he used to have a teaching background, so I think he just really connected with people. Um, then after him was Jason Potter, um, an ex um, QAFL legend in Southport, um, won every accolade in the Queensland space. And then Ricky Nolan came in, did a long stint for four to five years, um, and he was a great coach. Obviously, strong family um, heritage with footy, with his dad being an AFL legend, and his brothers. I think most of his brothers are all very good at football as well, um, and also himself playing a lot of football. So he was really passionate. I think sometimes for me, I thought I would have really good games, and sometimes would be acknowledged from umpires, although we know umpires can't get it right, or from the spectators, yet I never really got that from Ricky. So I don't know if it was like a ruck looking at another ruck type mentality. Um, whereas my other coaches, especially like Jason Potter, who was a midfield coach, he would always praise my um, game. So I don't know if it's just different perspective. A midfielder looking at what a ruck can do is a bit more grateful 
whereas a ruck looking at a ruck is a little bit more critical. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there because um, during Ricky's era, I thought I played well, but I never really saw the um, as much acknowledgement as what I maybe would have thought. But um, we still had some good success. I also had a lot of bad injury experiences. Also went through the um, Thunder era during that time, which was quite tough for um, players who were playing both NCSL and Thunder because they were um, trying to introduce restrictions and, um, you know, you could only play limited games and things. So during that era, um, yeah, I wasn't able to play as many games and was always getting impacted by Thunder um, requirements, like maintaining my body and stuff like that. Um, it also created more stress, so I actually got more stress-related injuries, um, stress fractures, etc. Um, but one of my other favourite coaches, which was from Thunder, and I played with him at St Mary's, was Xavier Clark. Um, he was just really calm, chilled, and had good execution. People could always connect and relate with him. Um, so yeah, he was he was a good coach and a good friend of mine. Actually, we catch up whenever he's not too busy. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah, then obviously so, most recently is Chopper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you. So how is that relationship with Chopper now? I know that you missed out on a grand final, and you're probably pretty upset about that with Chopper, someone that you've played a lot of footy with, um, and then you know for him to then coach you. How's the relationship with Chopper these days? Well, considering last year I, as a player, senior player, I hardly spoke to him. Um, this year now, not playing and being co-partner in senior coaching, we talk three, four, five times a day. Um, so, but that's, I don't know, that's who I am. I just move on. Um, so I was upset that I lost the granny. I did have two broken ribs. So, you know, in his defence, he didn't want to take the risk. Um, however, I did train um, the week before the granny and I thought I trained pretty well. Um, I might have been heavily, like, um, dosed with them, uh, what do you call it, painkillers, but I was um, driven to try and get my spot into the granny. Um, so I think what I was most upset about and I told him and the leadership group was that I just wasn't given the chance to prove it. Uh, like I would have maybe have liked to go down to the Thursday night training and he could have belted me or he could have done anything and if I had shown weakness he could have used that to say hey Ryan that's why we're not going to choose you um, so when I was sort of decided on a Wednesday night that I wasn't going to be able to play I sort of felt like I wasn't given the chance and for everything I'd done um, I just felt like I, I would have liked to have the chance to prove it um, and they went on to win the granny and you could almost say that maybe the backup rush he played. Uh, he played really well, but he also played very limited game time. So, you know, if the roles were changed, would the broken ribs have impacted just the amount of limited game time? I don't know. Um, but they went on to win and it's something that I just had to deal with. And it's not the first grand final I've missed out on. Obviously, injury is just riddled, um, the era that I played in, considering they nearly played in every grand final every season, um, I'm grateful to have three. But, you know, the Johnny A's and the Iggy's and Shannon Riolis and that, they're all sitting seven-plus grannies. Um, 
So, yeah, it's, some people never get it. I'm grateful I've got three. Um, I've got plenty more through other um, uh, other leagues. Um, so, yeah, you, you take what you can give in in life and um, injury just has riddled me. So, yeah, that's how it is. Just move on. You ride the punches and keep going. Yeah, yeah. So what have you taken from your playing career into your coaching career? What philosophies do you have around coaching, particularly with coaching women? Uh, well, coming from not knowing the game, I understand. And uh, I understand there's different ways that you might have to get the message across. So I'm always trying to um, create different phrases or different methods, whether visual or um, hands-on to allow them to understand um, because like for them to want to play the game they've only been like the AFL has only been around since 2017 for the women's space so for them to look up to someone it's only been around a handful of years the league and NCFL has been around for just over 10 years but originally only started with four teams so when you look at pathways there's been no junior grades no pathways so they're literally like grown women walking in onto the field and then expecting to be able to learn what someone at a young age has been shown for 20 years. Um, so I understand that because obviously I started at 15. Um, so what my philosophy is that just to find different methods of communication, I pride myself on communication, um, terminology and just patience and again resilience. but. Also, I'm pretty pushy on them to be committed to the process. Um, someone who says, I want to be the best footballer, but they only train one night a week. And you ask them, well, do you do any extras or do you practice? Do you have a football at home? And the answer is no, no, no. So then my, um, I sort of start to push them to say, well, if you're looking for me to want to get better, you're going to have to install some values for yourself and some methods that you can continue to get the repetitions that you need to um, improve. Uh, same as reps and sets with weights, I guess. If you're not doing them often, you're not going to see the growth. So, uh, yeah, I just, but I, I try to work with them, let, let them borrow a footy. Uh, sometimes I'll buy them a footy if they're worth investing in uh, or they're just good people. I don't know. That's all you can really do. But what, what do you think are the biggest things that women can do outside of training? So you say, like, they come, you, you want them obviously to come to training to two nights a week or whatever number that you've got off, on offer uh, that you're running. What's the biggest bang for buck that a, a female can do in particular, anyone probably, like any young boy as well, but let's hone in on, you know, women's footy here. What can they do outside of training to make them better? What's the number one thing? Well, I, I just think at the moment it's skill level. So they need to um, buy footy and they need to be touching the footy as much as they can. Uh, grabbing friends, going down the oval, the old trick of um, walking around the house, kicking the footy up to yourself. Like you just look at the young kids, you see the old videos that think still recirculated them. Um, recently of him running around as a young six-year-old kicking the footy and he was kicking the ball at six better than me or any most people at 36. So the, for me with women at the moment, uh, it's, they just need to be more hands-on with the footy. Once they can build 
comfortability with the footy and executing skill, then you can transfer to other things, which would be your expertise, which is obviously foundations of strength and um, everything on that side of things with fitness and that. They're all building blocks, but you could be the fittest, the strongest person which in the NFL and even in the competition in AFL. There's people already like that. They're ex Army or Air Force or PT trainers, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go play footy. And they can run all day, but they can't kick. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's why Daniel Connor and a few others like to stand out is they grew up around footy, so they can kick. They 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 read the game. The TV Island girls, like, um, they they just know football. It's instinctive on them, so that's what separates them from the rest. So if there was someone new that said, "Hey, I want to learn football," I would say, "Go buy footy and old-fashioned." What your dad used to say to you, take the footy to bed, sleep with the footy, touch the footy. Yeah. Uh, um, I interviewed Heidi Thompson, who's obviously the Waratah coach, and asked her the same question. And her question was very, very similar. It was get a football and hang on to it constant, you know, all day long and bounce it. Her, her thing was just bounce it. Walk around just bouncing the footy because the hand positioning would resemble a sim, like a way that you would just hold the football and just get used to that ball leaving your hand, coming back out of your hand, and it would help with your kicking. You're saying to kick the ball up to yourself. So I think there's a real theme there of, one, just get a footy and have the footy as much as possible, but just walk along bouncing it and kicking it to yourself. Yeah, and handballing to yourself. Just, I don't know, like when you went to school, all the better footballers, or when I went to school, they always had a football on them. You know what I mean? Like, I always looked at them across the room and go, oh, I wanted to be a good footballer, but I never brought a football. Um, and then later on, I actually did, you know, bring the old basketball, you know, because I was more comfortable with basketball. So I try to be like those kids by bringing what I was good at and bring that to, to school. So, yeah, I just think that if women or girls want to strive to play AFL, they need to be, you know, following the good guidance from Heidi. So I think, yeah, simplicity, I think. How much crossover do you think there is between basketball? Because I think with football and basketball, it's probably the two, those two sports crossover. For, for football, I think basketball crosses over the best. You look at someone like uh, Scott Pendlebury, for example, Collingwood, really good basketballer. You look at Danielle Ponte, who you've already mentioned, phenomenal basketballer. I actually reckon she could make it in basketball if she wanted to. Um, but their, their ball handling control, how much crossover is there between footy and basketball? I think there's a fair bit. I don't know if you know that Scott Penelbury and Paddy Mills actually crossed their AIS scholarship. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so Paddy Mills was on the pathway of playing AFL and Scott Penelbury had an AIS basketball scholarship. And during the 17, 18 or whatever age it was, they actually crossed um, scholarships. So Scott went on to play AFL and Paddy went on to play NBA. Um, so yeah, that one's a cool story. Um, but that, that answers your question there. There's a, uh, a large range of things that are very similar in both sports. Um, I think netball for the women's side though is probably the most common for them, the crossover. Uh, we've got a netballer from Catherine playing in our team and her hand-eye coordination and agility, um, is really good. Uh, I guess the only problem with her is she can often sometimes be caught flat-footed, and I think that's the downfall of netball compared to a basketball, which is a flowing sport. Um, but just the hand-eye coordination and the agility work, um, yeah, I think that's what 
assist them with footy. But I think, I don't know if you, no, there's another person in, in your similar industry. He's gone off to China. His name's Jacob Shannon, I think. Uh, Jake Shannon. Um, and he came back and spoke to Daniel Hill and he said that in China they built robotic around, they only aligned to one sport and they're drilled for that sport to become an Olympic athlete for whatever that timeline is. But that's all they do. Um, he said he would throw a tennis ball at an Olympic swimmer and they couldn't catch. They had poor hand-eye coordination. Um, so he was, he and a few of the other, um, experts were saying, that they feel that at a young age, we should be exposing kids to multiple sports, swimming, running, um, team sports, ball sports, um, up until a certain age, and then they move into their key sport, um, just so that you can get a vast range of um, skill sets. Um, so yeah. what I'm getting to is I think soccer should maybe be included to that. Um, mm-hmm. The Vallejo family were raised around soccer. There's a lot of great ex soccer players um, that end up becoming good footballers. Um, I think with soccer though, it's just a kicking technique can be hard. Whereas Aussie rules is more of a straight leg kick, whereas soccer is more of a rounded kick. Um, but just the, the whole point around coordination by foot and the speed work and stuff um, can be beneficial for Aussie rules. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree completely with the multifaceted approach for sport. I think um, the more sport you can play as a kid. The, the more varied sport, the better you're going to be, you know, and, and soccer definitely for footy. I think you got the basketball for your hand control, but soccer for your foot control. You mentioned the Vallejos. You got Ryan Ayres as well, who was a very good soccer player and union, played union as a young boy, like, like yourself. Uh, yeah. And the, the Casemiro family. Yeah. I think it's the more you can play of varied sports, the better, but those two in particular for footy, soccer and, uh, basketball. Yeah. And yeah, but also very... athletics as well. I think um, having the correct running technique um, can go a long way in your sprint work and resilience, um, injury um, prevention. You know, like I look at what you're doing in athletics and I'm trying to push my kids into doing stuff similar um, because I don't think my running technique was that great. I think I developed a better running technique later in life um, which maybe a, as a younger younger kid, I might have been better, I don't know, quicker maybe, uh, more resilient, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. So I, I didn't yeah. even think about running. I forgot about it. Yeah. Well, that's your expertise, right? <laughs> well, I actually tore my hamstrings four times because I, you know, I, I didn't have great running technique and uh, did athletics and surf life-saving in my main event and surf life-saving was sprinting and beach flags. But... You know, it wasn't until later when I stopped competing. I was like in my 30s when I went and changed my technique. And now I can like sprint 100% like with no warm up and be completely fine. So yeah. running mechanics, it, like it's, it's huge. It's such a big thing. And what's the number one thing you do in a game of football more than anything else? It's running. running. You run more yeah. than you kick and you mark. Yeah. So it, it's a running game. Well, I think Ricky was the one that said it to, to us when he was coaching is that you touch the ball. 30 seconds to a minute um, throughout the game. If you're a better player, it's obviously probably going to be a higher number because you're touching it more often. But most average players probably have the ball in hand for 30 seconds to a minute for the whole two hours of the game. Yeah, it's crazy. And even like his his um, video program, Sports Clip Maker, I remember using that with the two clubs I worked with doing fitness at. 
and when you, you click on the button, you would be familiar with the program. You click on the button uh, and it gives you sort of, you can set it for, you know, 30 seconds before, 30 seconds after for whenever someone touches the ball. But in terms of the, the clip that someone gets, the individual clip for the entire game, it's only several minutes. It might be like five minutes at most. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very yeah. conscious of time because you've got to get off speaking about our crossover sports with kids playing. You've got to get off yeah. to your daughter's basketball game. So do we have a yeah. qu- quick time for this at 10 and 10 before we wrap up? Yep, go for it. All righty. Number one, first thing that comes to mind, Ryan, when you think of small goals. Difficult. <laughs> this is in relation to your daughter with her five dribbles today. Hopefully she gets them. Number two, growing up in Darwin. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know. Fun? Fun, yeah. Number three, sauce. <laughs> uh, get things done. <laughs> Number four, wrestling. Um, interesting. Number six, the power of positive peer pressure. Uh, influential number six having a purpose and connection uh, reason and inspiration number seven rocket craft chess what chess chess the game chess <laughs> yeah number eight NT thunder uh, great experience, lots of fun. Number nine, the uh, women's development at football. The future. And number 10, a generic question which I ask everybody, this is about time travel. If you could go forward in time or back in time, to which point in time would you go to and why? I would go back to a young teenager and tell him to chill out and to just live a bit. Very, very insightful. Yeah, don't get too caught up. Just let things happen. Just go with the flow. Awesome. I love it. Ryan, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you do in the women's space coaching right now. Best of luck with the coaching this season at St. Mary's and thank you so much for your time today on the Mind Your Body Show. Thanks, Jacob. I'll see you at the next episode. What's the most overlooked part of running, but the most important? Your mechanics. My new course, Running Mechanics 101, is a nine-module course which will teach you how to run more efficiently and effectively. For free, instant access, simply head on over to jacobandre.com.